Welcome, friend. We are so glad you've joined us to listen in as ordinary people share their extraordinary stories of how one man changed their lives forever. No two stories are the same, yet it's our hope that you'll relate enough to want to meet the same man all our listeners have met. Listen as my friends tell me about a man that gave them hope and love beyond their wildest imaginations. Amelia Harrison, welcome to Tell Me About a Man podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Of course, it's been an open invitation for a while, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, everyone will get to know why it's taken us a little time to get here. And so, um, you know, I always like to ask a couple icebreakers. Okay. So, what is something on your bucket list? Mm. It's a long list. Mine is too. And I actually deleted mine the other day. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Every episode, I'm like, oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's a good one. And so, I don't know. I've been thinking about this, and I really, I, my go-to would always be Alaska. Um, mm-hmm. Like, that's just somewhere that I've always dreamed of going. But lately, it's been the Holy Land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe someday we'll get there. Yeah. Well, I mean, we will get to the Holy Land. Right. We will, yeah. Maybe someday we'll <laughs> visit the one here on Earth. Yeah, maybe we'll get to go to Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, one final one, and this is um, very custom for you. Introvert or extrovert? Mm. You, mostly, specifically. Mostly an introvert. Um, I can be an extrovert when I need to be, mm-hmm. um, but it's exhausting. Um, mm-hmm. I prefer one-on-one conversation like this. Yeah. And so um, when you get in a big group and people are talking about the weather or yesterday's game, and I just I have trouble participating. Yeah, and that's definitely, I'm definitely that same way too, and I think that's why you and I have such good conversations, which is a good segment segue into, we've been friends for several years. Yeah. I'm so thankful for your friendship because I get to ask hard questions, and you're never offended by my um, hard or um, sometimes inappropriate questions. <laughs> but I need to understand. I just think that learning is you know, we learn by asking questions mm. and so if we're not asking questions we're not growing mm-hmm. and we have to just be honest mm-hmm. with each other in those questions and those answers and so otherwise I mean we're just not we're not improving I'm we're sure we're gonna get closer to the knowledge that we need yeah I'm sure there's times where you've walked away going I cannot believe she asked me that question or I might be like I'm so thankful she asked me that so she never has to ask it again now she knows <laughs> think it's either one of those things. So hopefully today we um, get to look past the microphones and the headphones and um, just dig into your story and it's just me and you rolling around the back roads just chit-chatting like we've had some really good conversations in the vehicle. I should record those. That could be a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Okay so tell me a little bit about young Amelia. Like what were you like growing up? What was home like? Um, just give us a general, just kind of introduce us to you. Okay. Um, I came from a very loving home. My parents were married. I have two younger siblings. Um, my mom took us to church. Um, and for the first, you know, eight or nine years of my life, like my dad didn't go with us. And then I don't, I have trouble remembering all the details of my childhood. I don't, I just, there's just a lot of things I don't remember. Um, but my dad got saved in 1999, so I was eight or nine years old. Um, and then all of a sudden we were 
in the church every time the doors were open. Mm. You know, we were at business meetings even, and my mm -hmm. parents helped with Vacation Bible School, and they were either in Sunday school or teaching Sunday school. You know, all of those things that, you know, most Southern Christian homes look like, you know. I, uh, I remember going to church camp with that church mm -hmm. and Vacation Bible School and all of those things. You know, they have a huge impact on kids. We think sometimes they don't, but mm -hmm. oh man, mm -hmm. I mean, Get them while they're young. Plant seeds. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. And their brains are just little sponges and they mm -hmm. soak up everything. Yeah. And so give it to them while they're young. Right. Um, but Childlike faith. Yeah, absolutely. And we should keep that all the way through our lives. Mm -hmm. But we lose that sometimes. We lose the, the fun and the mm -hmm. imagination. Um, back to it. Um, I remember when you're at Vacation Bible School, um, we were transitioning from one section, you know, like whether it was um, snacks or games, and so we were moving from one place to another, and I look over and I see this group of girls in a circle, and our pastors in this circle with them, and I just walked up, and I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they were like, we're getting saved. Oh. I was like, well, I want to do that too. Group salvation. <laughs> yeah, and so we did. I mean, like, we stood there, we said the prayer, but looking back, I'm like, why did nobody ask me any questions? Right. You know, like, let's do a heart check, let's see what you're... Yeah. Yeah. Why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. Is this just you're joining in or, mm -hmm. you know, or you really, truly want to be safe? Mm -hmm. And so, um, but, so I did. And then every summer at church camp from that point on, uh, for like three or four years in a row, I rededicated my life to Christ. Oh. Because it just never felt right. Right. You know? Um, and again, looking back, like somebody should have been asking me questions. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, you know, so every time you are like, I'm going to do better, I'm yeah. going to do better. I'm going to live better for Jesus. And then you're like a year later, you're like, I got to, here I go again. I got to do better. Yeah. Like it was like the first time it just didn't stick. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I just had to keep going back and doing it over and over again. And, and you know, I, it sounds silly, but, um, you know, I didn't know that all of those emotions were really the Holy Spirit talking to me. Mm. But I didn't have that knowledge mm -hmm. to know that it was just open communication. Mm. You know, I was just getting loved on and whatnot. But really, I just felt like I was, I don't know, broken or lost or just wasn't doing the right thing. And because I'm kind of a perfectionist, <laughs> so, a little bit of a control freak. And so, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so and then at some point, um, we were, we, my family and I started spending less time in church. And I really believe church politics kind of got into that. Mm. There was a, a lot of drama going on. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, my parents just kind of stepped out of that. Mm -hmm. um, and then we, at that time, we lived in one town. And then my parents owned a business in another town about 30 minutes away. And my mom was also a teacher in that town. So we were all over there more than we were in our hometown. Right. Um, and so, but I don't, I don't remember my family going to church there together. I, you know, I, I remember my parents being there sometimes and I remember going to vacation Bible school and even as I got older, you know, I joined the youth there and so I would go a little bit more and more, but, but I remember like my mom taking me and dropping me off, mm -hmm. but not necessarily like as a family mm -hmm. unit. Mm -hmm. Um, but once I was in youth, I got to go to Falls Creek, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is a Baptist church camp in mm -hmm. southern Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. um, huge church camp. Um, and one night, you know, they had 
the lights down low and there were I think there were even candles lit in the room and the music was low and soft and you know they're really setting the mood right. right and it's supposed to be emotional right and I just remember really that kind of stuff gets to me mm-hmm. and um, and so I just remember being very emotional I kind of had a little breakdown mm. I was crying real hard and one of the sponsors came over to me and said and I quote I will never forget this for the rest of my life if you're having that kind of reaction, maybe you're really not saved. Mm. And I was like 13. How'd you receive that? Because that's really hard to say to someone. You know, I'm not recommending it. I, I totally don't recommend like that, it. But you know. I could see. And, you know, like I said, I had been saved and then rededicated and rededicated and rededicated. And here I am, 13, thinking, I kind of got this, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and then, well, maybe you're not saved. Mm hmm. Okay, well, maybe I'm not. Now I have doubts. Mm -hmm. So I got saved again, Mm -hmm. and then I got baptized again. Mm -hmm. So this is two salvations, two baptisms, and three rededications from the ages of 9 to 13. But who's counting? But who's counting? (laughs) And I think all of that had a huge effect on my faith Mm. because I felt like I just wasn't as good of a Christian Mm-hmm. Good as good as good as of a Christian. There we go. Mm-hmm. As um as other people because I kept having to do it over and over again. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I just I never felt like I was good enough. I always felt like mm-hmm. it was less than mm-hmm. other Christians. And I really struggled with that. Mm-hmm. Um and I understood the relationship. I understood the religious aspects, but mm-hmm. I never really felt like I had fellowship mm-hmm. with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and that continued on into adulthood, really. Um, but I do remember the first time that I heard the Spirit talk to me. And it's one of those things that you just, you just don't forget. Yeah. Um, I was, I think I was about 12. And it was the night before seventh grade started. And that at the school I was attending, that's when you moved to the high school building. And you go from being the top dog at sixth grade in elementary to bottom of the barrel yeah. with all of these big kids mm. and I'm, I'm a naturally anxious person anyway and I was so nervous I just I could not go to sleep because my stomach was just turning and I couldn't turn all of these thoughts off and so I started praying and I just asked God to ease that anxiety and I, I really just wanted to go to sleep because I knew if I had, if I was so tired, I wasn't going to have a good first day. Mm-hmm. And so I just I was like, please just take this away and let me go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And so I laid there for a couple of minutes and I still wasn't going to sleep. I was like, come on, please. And so I turned the radio on because I thought maybe if I'm listening to the music, I can turn my thoughts off and mm-hmm. fall asleep. Mm-hmm. The first song that I heard when I turned my radio on, I mean, like it wasn't a commercial or anything. It was like the song started when I turned my radio on. Like, I caused that song mm-hmm. to come on. <laughs> and I hear, this one's for the girls about 13. Oh. Martina McBride? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the song, the song title is This One's for the Girls. But yeah. I hear, this one's for the girls about 13. High school can be so rough, can be so mean. And Aww. I was like, oh, my gosh. That's creepy. Right? I mean, I was kind of freaked my out. radio. Yeah, I was kind of freaked out. You know, and she says... You know, hold on to um, your innocence when everyone is giving in. Mm. And at the time, I didn't really understand what she was talking right, about. Right, right. But I took it as, you're going to be okay. 
you just stay true to who you are. Mm-hmm. Just be yourself. Don't try mm-hmm. to fit in. Don't try to be popular or cool or whatever. Yeah. Just just be who you are. Yeah. And I just I just remember I was like, wow, that was really cool. Yeah. And then I went right to sleep. And you were done. Woke yes. up the next morning. Woke up the next morning and I had a great first day as far as I remember. I don't even remember the first day of school, but I remember the night before. Wow. Yeah. Um, so is that the first time that God kind of, your relationship with God kind of became real? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, here I am, much older than 12. Yeah. And I still remember that. So did you, have you doubted your salvation since then? Oh, heavens, yes. What makes you undoubt? Mm, scripture, praise mm-hmm. music, mm-hmm. but really talking to people that you can trust to give you biblical wisdom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That That is the biggest one to me. Um, mm-hmm. As much as I'm an introvert, I need to talk through it with someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and having that sound advice that I know is coming from the Spirit, that I know is coming from His Word, yeah. that's what really helps me get out of that, no, I am worthy. No, I am yeah. faithful. No, I am saved. I'm, I have salvation. Right. I can trust Him. Yeah. And I think it's just important for people to understand that even, I mean, even the doubt is going to come. I mean, it's from the enemy. I mean, those things happen. But like you said, you remind yourself of, you know, you do hear from the Holy Spirit. Those that don't have a relationship with Jesus don't hear from the Holy Spirit. Um, you do have discernment. Um, and we can call that a gut feeling. Yeah. Um, but really, it's the Holy Spirit going, no, you need to go back and talk to that person or you two are on the same page when you, you know, you're having the same thoughts when you didn't even realize it, those kind of things. So, and it, it's so good to let you recognize, okay, this is a moment of doubt. Now I'm going to fill it with truth. And the truth is I am saved. I am a child of God. Right. So, exactly. Good. Yeah. Then we move on to, I guess, high school. Um, I transferred back to my hometown school. Um, and the rest of my family is still in the other town. They're still commuting back and forth. Um, but I just, I never really felt like I had, once I, once we got into like seventh and eighth grade, I never really had a, like a true friend or a group of friends. And um, so I was just kind of, I'm not like, I had friends. I was friendly with people, but it wasn't like I had those super tight relationships. Right. Um, and I, I kind of been forming those with friends from early elementary in my hometown. And so I, I finally convinced my mom to let me go back and um and it was great yeah I mean I had a great group of friends and we talked about our faith Mm -hmm. and we came from all different kinds of backgrounds I mean there was Baptist Church of Christ Catholic Methodist I mean Mm -hmm. we were a hodgepodge of Christians and so it was so great to get to learn from each other mm, that's in that yeah and even as eighth graders i was gonna say that's so mature graders. because usually it's like you don't go to my church i can't hang out with you yeah and that's not the case if we're we're all part of the body of believers so yeah, that's good exactly so it was really great to get to learn from each other and gain those different perspectives and grow in our faith together even though our denominations didn't mm-hmm. align mm-hmm. so and, were you living in your small in your hometown mm-hmm. yeah no we never moved i lived in the same uh, house I got for you. 18 i got years. you they just yeah. went on mm-hmm. in the morning you stayed in town right gotcha yeah and then i guess when i was a freshman about 15 i started going to one of the local baptist churches and i got really involved in the youth group and my faith just really grew mm-hmm. uh, but i remember my youth pastor telling me when i was you know when i was 15 he was like you know Kids typically, when they get their driver's license, they just drive right out of church. Oh. And I was like, I, no, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And I did exactly that. Oh, really? I did, yeah. And so, probably about 
four or five months after I turned 16, I just kind of quit going. Mm. Um, and my parents were divorced by that time. Mm -hmm. You know, no one was really like, wait, there wasn't a family unit going to church together. You weren't um, held accountable. No, not at all. Um, you know, and even after I quit going, my, my youth pastor, and especially his wife, she's still one of my closest friends. Um, she, you know, they reached out to me and they would check in on me. I would still go visit with them, but I wasn't involved in the church anymore. Mm. I don't know, I guess I really just didn't spend a lot of time in church at all until after I graduated high school. Okay. Yeah, uh, I just kind of ignored it. You know, it's always there, mm -hmm. and you know. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that I was not faithful. I just wasn't digging in. Mm -hmm. I wasn't engaging. Mm -hmm. You weren't in fellowship? No. Gotcha. Nope. Um, and then I met my husband Yeah. when I was 18. And um, he was 22, and his parents are probably the most godly humans on the planet. It's mm, yeah. a sweet compliment. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I hope one day that I can have faith and hope like that, that I can have that knowledge and just that mm -hmm. confidence mm -hmm. in who I am mm -hmm. in Christ, mm -hmm. and to share it with other people. Right. I think you're closer than you think. <laughs> Sometimes I think so, and then other times, mm, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, sometimes my flesh gets the better of me, mm. um, but yeah, no, uh, I, we, they uh, they went to the Methodist church here in town, and so um, Tyler, I think we were engaged, and we started going to church with him, and his schedule was kind of weird, and so he wasn't always off on Sundays, but I would still go to church with his mm -hmm. parents, and, and that continued for quite a while, um, and then his parents moved because his dad became a full-time pastor, mm -hmm. and um, so it was just me. Yeah. And I went for a while, and I was still pretty active in our church. And then, um, you know, Tyler and I, we met at a party. And mm -hmm. so we were partiers. We liked to drink. Mm -hmm. And we did that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, From, like, after high school through yeah. 20s? Yeah, mm -hmm. um, probably until I was 20, I guess about 24. Mm -hmm. 20, I was 23. Um and then I found out I was pregnant. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, we were not trying, but you know, I think I think really God was like, that's enough. We're gonna quit that. Yeah. You know, and I tell people all the time, Liam saved my life, and yeah. he did. I mean, he saved us from going down a dark road. Mm, I feel that. Yeah, and I mean, and even though we were going to church and we were, you know, and still kind of engaged, and mm -hmm. you know, but we weren't in fellowship. Mm -hmm. You know, we were. Were you married? Yes. You were married. Yes. You'd already gotten married. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we got married when I was 20 and I found out at 23 okay. that I was pregnant. Oh, um, well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, but you know, we weren't, we just weren't, we weren't in fellowship. We were going through the necessary steps, mm -hmm. you know, like we were just doing what we thought we were supposed to do. Exactly. Um, but we weren't really digging in. Check boxes. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, we found out we were pregnant and we had this beautiful baby boy and, uh, Liam Phillip. And, and then, you know, once he was born, I was like, I kind of need to get my crap together. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? probably like, a good idea. I want this baby to know Jesus. Mm. And so um, I found a church that had, there were a few kids there his age. Mm -hmm. um, and I learned so much mm. going, I mean, it wasn't a Baptist church like I was used to. It wasn't a Methodist church that I'd become accustomed to. It was, uh, you know, it didn't have a denomination. Mm -hmm. Was that kind of freeing for you? It was mm -hmm. because, mm -hmm. I mean, there was doctrine, right? I mean, they, they were disciplined, but 
it wasn't you have to do this 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 you mm -hmm. know like there wasn't it was just I want to I want to tell you about a man right I want right. you to get to know Jesus yeah just a bunch of Jesus loving people yes mm -hmm. and oh my goodness it was just so freeing and and that's when I really opened up to relationship mm-hmm yeah and oh goodness I just grew so much and I always I always felt like my whole life, I just always felt like I was a baby Christian. And I learned that that's a good thing. Yeah. Because that's when you're hungriest. Yeah. That's when you want it all the time. You're just always looking for more and more and more from God. Yeah. And, and growing in your in your fellowship with him. And so I'm not afraid of that anymore. That's cool. Yeah. I, I just, it is, it's you. cool. It's that's so good. cool. That's yeah. good. Yeah. And then uh, our second son was born in 2000 and. 16 and so we had 2015 and then 2016 and oh my. Then, yes they're 21 months apart and it was very hard but I think I need to back up a little bit yeah I was gonna say there was a third son we've just had Landry yes yes he is nine months old so so what's so six years between Lane and Landry yes so you are boy mom boy mom 100%. to the core yes and it's probably a blessing. It is, yes. I would not know what to do with bows and ruffles and pink and dolls. <laughs> okay, so let's back up a little bit. Yes. Before, so mid-20ish, um, did you were you, did you live with your parents up until you and Tyler got married? Well, so I moved, I moved away to college for a year. Okay. Um, and then I moved home and switched to a community college. Mm -hmm. um, university was too big for me. Mm -hmm. I'm a small, small town girl. I needed much smaller right. uh, classes. Um, and so when I moved home, at that by that point, my mom had remarried. Mm -hmm. And um, I think she might have even been pregnant. No, maybe not yet. Because I have a sister that's 20 years younger than me. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But... She was my first baby. Yeah. But yeah. So I moved home. And when I did, I moved into my Nana's house. Um, which, Is that your mom or your dad's mom? That's my mom's mom. Your mom's mom. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and she was my person mm. on the planet. Um, she just, she has always been my number one fan. You know, my parents, obviously, they love me, you know. But it's just that I just had a special relationship mm -hmm. with my Nana. And I I just loved, love her so much. Um but she, uh, she went through some health problems, and she moved to Stillwater for a little while. She ended up on a short-term disability from work, and so during that time, she moved to Stillwater because that's where her boyfriend was. Ooh, yeah, Nana. I know. Not many people say Nana. Now, I should say she's 57 at this time. Oh, well, so. okay. Let's yeah. back up a little bit. That's not that old. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so she, uh, so she went to Stillwater, uh, but then she just kind of went through a crisis. She was having some mental health issues, um, and some physical health issues, and, uh, she ended up, uh, dying by suicide mm. in November of 2011. While you were living with her? Yes. Mm. Well, I was living kind in her of. house. No, at that time I was married. Oh, okay. Tyler and I had already okay. gotten married. Okay. Yeah, um, so we got married in June of 2011. So I lived in her house up until that point. Mm -hmm. And then um, we had actually moved to Ardmore and we moved back home a week before she died. Mm. Um, so we, we were waiting on our rent house to come available. So we happened to be living with Tyler's parents, which ended up being a huge blessing for me. 
uh, during that time mm -hmm. because they were just so supportive and I was never alone mm. and um, it was just it was it was a blessing that we were there um, did you ever like I mean I know hindsight's 2020 but in the moment did you ever think that there were mental health issues like that she was suicidal yes um I I took her to all of her doctor's appointments and I, I stayed with her in the hospital and one of her doctor's appointments, she kind of just broke down and I, to me, as an ignorant 20 year old, like she is just fed up with being sick mm -hmm. and she just wants to feel better and they're, it's whatever they're doing is not working. Yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah. And then the doctor pulls me outside and says, I need you to take her for an evaluation to a facility like well, a mental health facility well he didn't specify it and i okay. said well what what kind of evaluation Aren't like, you is, the she, doctor? <laughs> is she sick or like why why can't yeah. you do that here and he said no i need you to take her to red rock which is a mental health facility in norman and um and have her evaluated and so i did mm. and she i dropped her off and waited for about an hour and a half and she calls me and says okay you can come get me now mm. And so at that point, I'm like, they've done their job. She's okay. No diagnosis, yeah. no, no no further treatment. I mean, she was already on antidepressants. And mm -hmm. so I was like, no, I mean, if they, they let her go, she's got to be fine. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I think maybe that was in August or September, probably in August at some point. Uh, and then, and then she died in November. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I was the last person to talk to her and uh, on the, I'd, I'd called her on the phone and I was asking, I was asking for a recipe. And so she gave it to me and I could tell she was upset and she just said you know, she and her boyfriend had broken up and she was moving home the next day and I told her that I had to go to work but I would be home by 3 and I would just see her when I got home. Mm. And then my mom called me at 1130 that night. And, wow. Yeah. And I really, I really struggled with that um, just because, you know, she, she died 45 minutes after we got off the phone, if that. Mm. Um, you know, and I went through that period of, well, maybe if I had just stayed on the phone with her a little bit longer. I poked at her a little bit more. Yeah, maybe if I had, you know, I dug in a little bit and just made her talk to me, mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, all of these things. So I, I really struggled with the guilt. Um, and so I started going to counseling. And Good. that, you know, that healed, it really helped me through my grief. Um, it really helped me with other relationships in my life. I would think it probably helped you process not feeling guilty. Yeah. Yeah, that would that's heavy mm -hmm. for a 20-year-old, especially being, I'm sure you were her person also. Right. And then when her person, you would think, I'm your person, why don't you come to me, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, and, and I felt responsible for her, mm -hmm. right? Because I had been going to all of these doctor's appointments and staying in the hospital when she was having heart trouble and, you know, all of these things. I mean, like, I slept in the crappy chair in the corner. Mm -hmm. and um, And so I felt responsible for her. Mm -hmm. Um, and then she was just gone. Mm. And so it was it was really hard. And it's so heavy, especially, like you said, when you're 20. Mm -hmm. I just gotten married. You Life know, is good. It's, it is. It's supposed to be great mm -hmm. right now. And then this happens. And I was like, I wasn't done with you. Like, mm -hmm. I, you were supposed to be there when I had my babies. And, mm -hmm. you know, all of those things. And, and, so, and she hasn't been. And it's, been, it's still hard. Mm -hmm. And that was, what, 12 years ago, 15 mm -hmm. years ago? Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's, it's been hard. But... Yeah. But man, I'll never forget, I was sitting on the porch one day, and it was just a couple, maybe a month after it had happened, and I was just so, I mean, I was just sitting out there, I was just crying my heart out. And, you know, sometimes you don't have the words to speak, mm -hmm. but man, he can hear those sounds, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he knows that he it's a cry for help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And I just, it was the strangest thing. I heard her mm. say my name. Mm. Yeah. Like to the point that I stood up and looked around. Yeah. It was that audible to me. Mm. And I was out there by myself. So of course nobody else heard it. And people sometimes think I'm nuts, but I will, I will die on that hill saying that he gave, he graced that to me. Yeah. Just one last, one yeah. last sound. Just, I'm oh. okay. Wow. You know, but all she said was my name, but it was the way that she said mm. it. And it was just, and I mean, that's God's grace. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, when you cry out, I mean, he'll just give it to you. We, um, one, we forgot to put tissues in here, so Sorry. Uh, there's that. And two, where we're recording is her house. This was her bedroom. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so we're actually in her bedroom, yeah. so it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole thing has gone so full circle, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. You have Liam... You're living still in your small town. You mm-hmm. guys are trucking along. Where's your faith? You're growing in your faith. Your walk kind of up and down. What's yeah, it looking like? Kind of up and down. Um, but for the most part, I mean, I would say up and down until we have Liam. You know, we're going to church and you know, we found this new church. And my, I mean, my relationship, my fellowship is just crazy. So that's about when we started um, working on our friendship. Like we just kind of. Is that about the same time? Mm-hmm. No, different. Oh, the other church. Mm-hmm. Then you, okay. Yep. Yeah, gotcha. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're just, and, and it's weird. I was thinking about this earlier, how people come into your life in seasons. Mm. For a season, a reason, or a lifetime. Yes. I'm convinced of that. Yes. And, you know, at this point, I think it was a season and a reason. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and some of those people, it will be a lifetime, mm-hmm. but man, I mean, the, the relationships that I built and those people, how they helped me through with my faith, mm-hmm. they helped me with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to go to school. And so, I mean, some of them, they helped watch Liam when I was going back and forth to class. And I just, I will forever be grateful yeah. for my time there and for those relationships that, that took place. What made you leave? You know, I couldn't really pinpoint it. Um, the church got really big. I mean, for a one room church, Mm, you know, like it's really small, but we were packing in 120 people a Sunday for a while. I mean, like it got pretty big for a small town. That's big. That's a lot. Um, and, uh, and then it just kind of started dwindling down. Mm -hmm. And then for a little while, we really just kind of didn't go to church. Um, and then sometimes, you know, we would go back to the Methodist church, which is Tyler's home church. And um, so we, we spent some time there also. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of went on off and on for a little while. And then I think, I guess 2018 okay. is when Sound about right. we mm-hmm. we started. I mean, we were mm-hmm. in the same organization. Yeah. And and then I, you know, Tyler was working out of town all the time. Uh, and so it was really just me and the boys. And, uh, and so... We started coming to your church mm-hmm. and going to your Sunday school class mm-hmm. and really got engaged there, and then COVID hit. <laughs> oh, COVID. <laughs> and it oh, ruined everything. So. Ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I will say a lot of good came out of COVID for us. I think I think you can choose to see all the good that came out of it, and I do agree. I think a lot of good came out of it. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like back in touch with your faith, building some new friendships. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, really, really starting to dig in again. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's just, it's kind of a roller coaster. Yes. Um, I learned uh, in a Bible study class that, you know, sometimes you take an exit ramp. Mm. 
and then you got to get back on. Yes. There's a lot of exit ramps on my road. Boy. <laughs> I also have back roads. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes I take the exit and like go completely the wrong direction. Yeah, there's been several U-turns in there. and Yeah. yeah. Stay on the God Highway as long as you can. Don't yes. exit. Yeah. Do not take that exit. <laughs> Do not fast go. Do not collect $200. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so um, we're just really digging in and I'm, my foundation was really just getting good and solid. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, COVID was great and we got to slow down. Mm-hmm. You could watch 15 sermons online, mm-hmm. so you didn't have to pick one church. You could, you know, learn from four different pastors if you wanted to in a day and yeah. or more. And so, you know, it was just Bible studies and small groups and different pastors and you know, I'm just so hungry again mm-hmm. and just really filling my spirit and mm-hmm. filling my cup up. Mm-hmm. Really, I, at that point, I had some really godly friends in my mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. that just, we just lifted each other up, you know, yeah. we were just communicating and, and growing and learning and advising and, you know, asking the hard questions mm-hmm. and giving solid answers mm-hmm. that came straight from him, yeah. you know, and it's a good thing. Why? Because January 17th, 2021, my son died at five years old. Mm. Um, yeah, filling your cup up is really important because it's going to get tipped over. Yeah. And I've told you this several times, and I've told a ton of people, had you not been doing that, you probably wouldn't be where you are today. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And it's not that we fill our cup up or we get hungry and we feed that hunger for God waiting for something bad to happen, but it's going to happen. I mean, there's so much joy in learning to walk like Christ and to to learn him like who he was and to be like him. But it also is an armor that's going to help you when your world falls apart. Yeah. I mean, it's not a cause and effect relationship. I didn't Mm -hmm. fill my cup up Mm because Liam was going to die. I filled my cup up and then that happened. Yeah. So what was that day like before? So we were on a ski trip with um, Stephanie, who has also been a guest here, Uh um, and her family, and uh, my mom, and my stepdad, and my sister Lorelai, and then uh, Tyler and I, and Lena Lane. Mm -hmm. My mom was unable to ski due to any injury um, and Lane was not old enough to go to ski school because of COVID, and so he couldn't go ski. And I hadn't skied in eight years, and I was not tempting fate because <laughs> I don't have the best knees. And so I opted also not to ski. Um, and so it, the 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 rest of the group they went to skiing. The, the kids went to ski school, and then they spent the day on the mountain. And my mom and I decided to, we were in Durango, Colorado, and there's a loop you can take from Durango to Silverton, Uray, Telluride, and then back down to Durango. So we decided we were just gonna drive that loop. Oh, fun. Yeah, we had a great day. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, we had so much fun just exploring. I mean, we're adventurers, that's just what we like Mm -hmm. to do. And Mm -hmm. so that's what we did. We went on an adventure and we had a wonderful day and we were on our drive back. I think we were probably 30, 40 minutes from Durango and Steph called my mom while we were driving and I don't know what she said. I couldn't hear Steph, um, but my mom immediately grabs my arms and she just gasps. And I, mm-hmm. she didn't have to say anything. I knew something was wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I just put my foot on the floor. Mm-hmm. Now it's dark. Meaning the gas pedal. Yes. 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 Um, I, it's dark and snowy, Colorado. Snowy. Uh, the roads were clear, but mm-hmm. we we're driving through the mountains. Mm-hmm. I, I hope 
nobody from Colorado is listening to this, but you people need to learn how to either drive or scoot over. Because <laughs> they don't do either one of those things very well. Uh, but uh, so I was driving as fast as my truck would go. Um, and my At mom, this point, you still don't know it's your son. Not yet. I mean, I just, I just put it down and just started driving. Yeah. And, um, and my mom said, Liam has been in an accident. Mm. Um, and he is being taken by ambulance to the hospital. And I said, what happened? And she said, he, he was, he drowned. Mm. I said, okay. And I was scared. Mm -hmm. Um, but I couldn't panic, right? Cause I have to drive through the mountains. Mm -hmm. I have my mom in the car and I have my four year old, barely four year old. He had just turned to four mm -hmm. for the month before. Were you hopeful? I was overly optimistic. Expectant. Um, yes, um, and I had learned at my time at Better Life that you know there we have power mm. in our prayers. We have mm -hmm. power in the name mm -hmm. of Jesus, and I truly believe in miracles, and I believe that my prayers can can create miracles. Mm -hmm. And so I just prayed over and over again, short prayers. You know, your prayers don't have to be fancy. They don't have to have all these extraordinary words in them. They can be simple. Mm -hmm. And mine was with every breath. God save my son. Mm. God save my son. God save my son. And I just said it. I mean, I bet I said mm. it over a thousand times by the time we got to the hospital. And it was not a safe drive. Mm. Uh, there were a couple of times where we probably should have died. Mm. Um, if we had wrecked at that point, we would have. Um, mm. And but we finally got to the hospital and I check in and, you know, it's kind of like the movies. Like you walk in and you're like, what, what's going on? Where's, you know, how is he? And they were just like, oh, you know, I'm not really sure. I can't tell you anything, but we're going to get you back there. Mm. And so a nurse comes up and he gets me and takes me back there. And when they opened the door, my son was unconscious and they were doing CPR. Was Tyler? Yes. And it was horrible. I mean, Tyler was standing in the corner. And he just kept saying, I'm so sorry, I'm mm -hmm. so sorry, I'm so sorry. And when you see a big, strong, stoic man mm -hmm. broken in mm -hmm. the corner like that, I mean, I knew that it was way worse than anybody had told me. Mm -hmm. And I went over there and I hugged him and I had my arms around him from the back and I just kind of put my arm, my head kind of resting on his shoulder and I said, it's going to be okay because they're going to save our son. Mm. And when I said that, the, one of the, the EMT that was doing CPR made eye contact with me. And I just knew right then that he wasn't coming back. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember the, um, the doctor, I mean, she was so controlled that you could hear a, a little bit of the frantic emotions uh -huh. that she was at. and she said can you guys think of anything else we can do mm. and nobody said a word were you quiet I was mm. yeah and uh, I just I, I and she called time of death mm. and at that point I just screamed a sound that no human should ever have to hear it was horrible um and so you know we got we got to hold in and we spent some, you know, just some time in there. I had to call my mom, mm. who was in the waiting room, and tell her that he didn't make it. Um, I, uh, 
I don't, I don't really know what was going on outside of that room, but I do know that it made its way to Steph and Jared, mm -hmm. um, who had Lane and Lorelai and their two kids. Mm -hmm. um, I know um, somebody called Tyler's parents and um, and my dad and stepmom and um, somebody called Jen. I know. Um by then I had gotten to Jen's uh -huh. and coming down Jen is your cousin yes. and your best friend yeah. and she was one of my girls when she was growing up and now she's one of my dear friends and coming down Main Street her Main Street there was this truck just riding my rear end and I'm going as fast as I can to get to Jen's house because we're in Oklahoma still right. but we've gotten the news that there's been an accident mm -hmm. and just pray and um this truck is just riding my rear. And I'm like, who is this? Like, seriously, I'm going faster than I should be. And I pull into Jen's and it pulls in behind me. And it ended up being your brother. And oh, so wow. I get into Jen's and then your brother comes in. And I don't even think we were there five minutes. And we got the news also. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's probably the hardest cry I've ever had. Yeah. It's um, It was a hopeless cry. Yeah. That's all I can describe it. Yeah. I mean, you just feel like my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. How could you? Were you mad at him? Oh, I don't think mad is a strong enough word. Mm. I don't think anger even, I mean, if there's a word that can, I haven't found it yet because it, I didn't hate him, but it was darn close. Did you ever think that he, God, when we're saying he, that he would turn his back on you for being so angry at him? Or were you, did you know you could be that angry at him and you were still going to be loved? I was terrified that I was going to lose my salvation. Mm -hmm. Not, not, not necessarily my salvation, but my fellowship, my mm -hmm. relationship. Your relationship with him? Yes. I mean, I really thought this is it. I just, I don't know how you hold on to your faith after that. Mm -hmm. uh, but luckily I had some really wise counsel even the next day mm -hmm. and on the drive home from Durango because we had to stay there for a little while um about four days I think yeah so you kind of got isolated a little bit yes um and even to the point of those that like your in-laws tried to come up mm -hmm. you had to stay everybody else had to come home vacation quote-unquote was over right I mean everybody had to get back to work but still there's this horrific tragedy what do we do you guys have to wait on Liam to be released, correct? Yes. Well, we didn't have to, but we we you would. Yeah. Right, you yeah. would. Yeah. yeah, we weren't we weren't leaving right. until everybody was <laughs> exactly. going home. Exactly. Yeah. He died on a Sunday, and we drove home on Thursday. Mm -hmm. But in between there, yes, we were we were kind of isolated in a hotel room in Durango, Colorado, where we pretty well know no one. Um, our my uh, my husband's parents had fly in, um, and his sister, uh, Jen, was gifted a plane ticket and mm -hmm. about to fly up there and mm -hmm. I will never be so thankful for anything in my whole life for that her ticket or those four days for that both mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. you know and you know my mom was still there my stepdad his his grandpa Jack died that same day we found mm -hmm. out that morning about oh 10 o'clock that um, that Jack had passed away and then Liam died that night wow. mm -hmm. and um, and so my mom and and Chris and Lorelai had to go back to Oklahoma to go to Jack's funeral. Mm. And I can only imagine how hard that was for my mom I can't to have to leave me yeah. there, you know. Cause, yeah. I mean, 
her baby broke and, mm -hmm. you know, um, but they took Lane with them, um, which was good. Probably good for her. Good for her and good for Lane because yeah. he got, I mean, you want to talk about top-notch treatment. He all the mac and cheese he all wanted. All the mac and cheese and fruit <laughs> snacks you could ever have. Um, he, I mean, there, there's just a line of people waiting to get that boy in their arms. How important was it that you and Tyler held on to each other? Oh. I don't know how I knew this, but I, we were still in the emergency room. They've already called time of death. I mean, we all of these things are happening, and I just somehow I, I'm I'm gonna give credit to the spirit because I just I really don't know how I learned this but I knew that the odds of our marriage surviving this were not in our favor mm -hmm. and we got back to the condo and we were I mean he had been standing barefoot on an emergency room floor he was still in his swimsuit um I think he was still in his swimsuit maybe he had give, been given a change of clothes um, but I mean, we, I mean, and you just want to shower off. I mean, like, we just mm -hmm. felt so horrible that, mm -hmm. I mean, a shower was the first thing I could think of to mm -hmm. just try to make it feel a little bit better. And so we're in the bathroom and I just grabbed a shirt collar and I said, you look at me right now. You are going to make me a promise that no matter what, you're going to stay with me through this. Mm -hmm. We are not going to let this come between us. We are not going to let this break our marriage. Mm -hmm. I said, I do, and I meant forever. And you have to promise me that no matter what, we're, we're together. And he said, okay. Now, whether or not he remembers that conversation, <laughs> I don't know. You promised. <laughs> but, I mean, and, and it hasn't always, you know, it's not like we haven't, struggled in our marriage since yeah. then you know I mean there's been some some ups and downs but but yeah I mean I just I don't know what came over me but I was just like you listening you listen good you're stuck with me and that's really amazing because I remember the next day talking to someone who had lost their child at a when she was 10 and she was just like listen they're really gonna have to work on their marriage like you can't Push that enough because like the statistics are just insane for um, how marriages break up after the loss of a child so to hear that and we were probably doing that and having that conversation about the same time ish probably you so. know yeah. and so definitely I think the spirit was working and just going we just to be very intentional that we have to be here for each other mm -hmm. I'm also very fortunate that I married the most loyal human being on the planet <laughs> It was some work, but it wasn't a lot of work. Right. Know? Like, it was not near as hard in our marriage as yeah. some other people. And so we were very fortunate in that. But, yeah, I, it was, I, I was petrified mm -hmm. of that. And I was just like, if I don't say it now, I don't know that I'll ever say it again. Right. Yeah. So you get back. We get back. Your community just dives in. Wow. I couldn't even send out thank you cards because I could not put into words that kind of gratitude. Mm -hmm. People I didn't even know were signing up for meal train or sending flowers and plants and trees and <laughs> uh, yeah, my living room looked like a small little forest. Mm -hmm. um, I think I, at one point I had 75 plants in my living room wow. and it's um, about 144 square feet. <laughs> so it's 
it's not a lot of space. It's not a lot of space. It was a lot yeah, of plants. It was a lot of plants. Um, but oh, they were just beautiful. And it made my house smell good. And they were, you know, they were uplifting. So it was a blessing. It yeah. was a little overwhelming, mm-hmm. but still a blessing. Um, mm-hmm. they, they, I think somebody set up a fund for us at mm-hmm. the bank. And um, people were making donations to churches in Liam's name. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it just, I couldn't believe it. You know, I've never felt like I was somebody, you know, in small towns, there's those people that are somebody, mm-hmm. you know, that everybody knows and everybody loves. And, and I just never felt like I was one of those people. Um, but when that happened, I felt like one of those mm. people. What was the last thing you said to Liam? Mm. You know, I'm not, I'm not shared this with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, Right before they were getting ready to leave to go skiing, um, I was helping Liam get all of his, you know, he looks like a little marshmallow, getting all of his little clothes on and stuff. And um, he was holding his ski boots, which are heavy. Mm-hmm. And um, he dropped one on my foot. And I did not respond graciously. Mm-hmm. It was one of those parenting moments that you're mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. why did I do that? Mm-hmm. And I remember, I told him to go wait by the car. And I remember thinking, you know, if something were to happen to me, that would be the last thing he ever heard out of my mouth. No, you didn't. I did. Hand to God, I did. Yeah. And so I went out there and I knelt down in front of my five-year-old. He was almost six. He died a month before his sixth birthday. Um, And I just said, you know what? That wasn't very nice of mommy. Mm. And I know you didn't do that on purpose. You weren't being mean. Mm -hmm. You know, it was an accident and I should not have acted like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I apologized and then I just told him how good he was Mm. and how kind and, you know, how much he was going to learn that day and how much fun he was going to have. And I couldn't wait to hear all about it. But I just kept telling him, you know, when I would drop the kids off at school and say, be good and be kind to be different. And I just told him, like, you are good and you are kind and you are so smart, and you are going to learn so much today, and mm-hmm. you're going to have so much fun, and I'm so proud of you. Mm-hmm. And I loved on him, and he was good, and I was good, and we, we all were all better, and nobody was sad or angry anymore, mm-hmm. and we were smiling, mm-hmm. and, and they came outside, and they were ready to go. And that was the last time I talked to him. If you were to ever doubt the Holy Spirit in your heart, that should have been the last time ever. Mm-hmm. Because there's not a doubt in my mind that that was God saying, I need you to go back just one more time because you're going to be angry at me, but you're really going to be angry at yourself if you mm-hmm. don't do this. And how many times do we ignore that? Yeah. I have people say all the time in your marriage, like, don't go to bed angry. That's why. You can't, you can't just let that stuff stay there. I mean, forgiveness is... If there's one thing that my kids have taught me, it is the power of forgiveness. And they just, I mean, think about how many times you mess up as a parent on a daily basis. And they just forgive you over and over and over again. It's like nothing ever happened. They they have, they hold no grudges. They don't have a list of things that you've done wrong in their lives. Yeah. Maybe not until they're adults. Right. (laughs) You know, but kids, I mean, they're just like, oh, it's okay. It's not a big deal. We're good. Yeah. You know, and... Oh, that's how God is with us. 
you know, there's not a list of wrongdoing or weights of, well, this sin was really bad, but this one maybe wasn't so bad, you know, it's just, you're good. Yeah, I've learned how to give unconditional love mm -hmm. to my children. Yeah. Which is the same way that God loves me. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's that parallel. I never thought about how they love me back mm -hmm. unconditionally. Yeah. It's and, good. And, and especially at such a young age when you don't know all the hurts and, of the world and stuff. I mean, if we could all love like children and all forgive like children and have mm. faith like children, the world would be such a better place. Mm. Amen. I want to get into the work that you've done with your grief. Okay. But first, I want you to tell me a little bit about Liam. My favorite thing about Liam was when you would ask him how his day was or how he was feeling. Like, how you doing? His answer was always great with a huge smile on his face. I mean, he was just a joy, and he mm -hmm. had so much joy. He was so happy and so kind and so giving all the time. Was he a helper? So, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, not in the house. Of course. <laughs> they never are their, their own no. home. <laughs> no, not in the house. He did not want to clean his room. He did not want to help me with dishes, um, but, you know, he wanted to help with his brother, and he, uh, you know, he helped take care of his cousins because there are a lot of them. Mm -hmm. He's just, he's just such a kind soul. Mm. I mean, he was just, he was everybody's friend. Mm -hmm. He didn't have a best friend because he was everybody's friend. Yeah. Just a happy boy. And, and in kindergarten, um, his class teacher, she would, you know, ask somebody questions. And even if he didn't know the answer, he'd try because nobody else was raising their hand. Or, you know, if she was turning on music, he'd be the first one out there to encourage everyone else to come dance. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, yeah, and so that was just the kind of person he was. I think he, you know, he was kind of a natural leader. Yeah and um, just very joyful. Mm -hmm. yeah. Lightsaber? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know I have to yeah. ask. <laughs> yes, um, so Liam uh, loved Star Wars, mm -hmm. and uh, like he wanted to be a Jedi Knight, and his last Halloween he was a Mandalorian. And so um, after he died, I, uh, I got a tattoo with a um, his lightsaber and a sunflower because that was his favorite flower. Mm -hmm. And um, his name and his handwriting. His name and his handwriting, yes. I love it. The sunflower. And we both love fall. And um, sunflowers, not necessarily a fall flower, but late summer. Mm -hmm. um, but the cool thing about sunflowers is that when the sun's not out, they will turn to each other to share their energy. Mm. That's exactly what you have to do when things get hard. Mm. You just gotta Girl. turn to someone else and share a little bit of their energy. Yeah. Sunflower and a lightsaber. I don't even like Star Wars. I have, a, I have a lightsaber on my arm. The things we do for our kids. People are like, are you a fan? You're like, nope, just a fan of my son. Yep. <laughs> so you'd already been to counseling, grief counseling once um, because of your grandmother. Yes. And you could have easily been like, I know what the steps I got to do, blah, blah, blah. Right. You dove pretty quickly into seeking help. Why? Because I was petrified of losing my faith. I was so mad at God. Mm. And I remember texting another mom and I just said, another mom who lost, who lost a child. Yeah. And I just, I just asked her, how do you forgive God? Mm. Right? He's perfect. He's never sinned. He's never made a mistake, but he didn't say my son. And I am so mad at him. I don't know how to forgive him. How do I trust him again? Mm -hmm. And so I had to seek out some very wise counsel mm -hmm. and guidance and and because I was there was one knot left in my rope and I was hanging on to it for dear life mm. 
because um, I don't know what my life looks like without Christ. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what life looks like without salvation. Hope. And hope, mm-hmm. yes. And um, and I, I just, I needed that hope mm-hmm. that it was going to be okay, mm-hmm. that it was going to get better. Because um, you don't think you can recover from something like that. Mm-hmm. If you'd have asked me three years ago if I could have survived losing a child, I would have laughed in your face. Oh, I was terrified for you. Oh. I mean, I, who wouldn't be? Not you, just a mother in general, mm-hmm. let alone... I mean, yeah, it was scary. Yeah. Oddly enough, there was a new pastor placed at the Methodist Church who um, specializes in grief counseling. Um, his background was... Um, Wasn't it transplant? Yes. Thank okay. you. Uh, his, back, <laughs> his background was uh, transplant uh, support, and so he, he helped the families through their loss and, and gave them support, and so he did a lot of grief counseling, um, and he's also either national or international, I can't remember, certified um, spiritual director on top of being a pastor. So he wears many hats. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started, he, he reached out to us when we were still in, in the hotel in Durango. Wow. Um, but I think a month or two, I finally started meeting with him and it changed everything. I mean, we would sit and talk for five, six hours at a time. Yeah, we would be like, um... She's been in there two hours. Surely I can text her. No, five hours later. Yeah. <laughs> but then you were exhausted, but yeah. it was good for you. It was so good. Um, and not as exhausted as you would think because it just filled me up so much. Right? Mm-hmm. It just kept getting more and more in my cup. But it was so it was so much more beneficial, I think, than just going to a certified counselor would have mm-hmm. been because I really needed that faith element because that's what I was seeking more than how do I... Mm-hmm. How do I heal my heart? I can't do that without God, but I'm so mad at him that I don't know what to do. Where do I go? And grief is so exhausting that it wasn't like I could just read my Bible or um, do some kind of Bible study on my own. I needed someone to guide me Mm -hmm. um, just because you get grief fog and um, it takes a lot physically. And so I just, I needed that. And man, put in a lot of work. You did. Oh yeah. And what would was, you tell? What would you say to someone who um, hasn't put the work in yet, or who is still bitter or mad at God? It's okay to be mad at him. Mm-hmm. He can take it, mm-hmm. but keep chasing him, mm-hmm. right? Even though I was mad at him, I was still asking questions and reaching out to other believers mm-hmm. and trying just all the help and the hope that I could get and. Um, what I really was doing was chasing him mm-hmm. because I needed him. Yeah, and he honors that. And he does. He mm-hmm. honors it so well. And so, I mean, just keep keep asking questions. Mm-hmm. Even if you're mad and you don't understand, keep asking questions because you're still engaging. Mm-hmm. Right? It's when you stop asking questions that I, I get worried. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's okay to be mad at him. But I mean, he gave us emotions. He did. And those emotions include... Anger. Yes, absolutely. I mean, even Jesus got angry. Right. And, you know, Jesus grieved mm-hmm. and he wept. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to be like him. Yeah. So do those things. Don't don't try to shy away from your grief. Don't hide away from it. You can't suppress it because it's going to get you. Mm. And it'll deal with you if you don't deal with it. I was just um, talking with a friend the other day and 12 years after his dad had passed away, just randomly on a Tuesday afternoon, took his legs out from underneath him and... Yeah. He just hadn't really ever dealt with it. Yeah. So it'll get you. It will. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it'll deal with you if you don't deal with it. Grief is a a lifelong companion. 
because... So are you ever, um, so you're never not grieving? No, 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 not ever. You're never healed? No, you're never fixed, quote okay. unquote. Okay. Right? I, my, I am healing. Um, the brokenness is healing. Mm -hmm. But the loss doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. Right? He's always going to be gone. Mm -hmm. um, How many sons do you have? I am a mom of three boys. I have been a mom for eight years, mm -hmm. and I will always have three boys. Mm -hmm. And so when people ask me, oh, is it, is it you know, oh, you just have the two. No, I have three. Liam would be eight. Lane is six. Landry is nine months. Mm -hmm. And it makes people uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but quite frankly, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Because I've been a mom for eight years. Yeah. I'm always going to be Liam's mom. Yeah. And I asked that because you've said before, um, it was the sweetest thing when you said, I have two on earth and one in heaven. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, that's the sweetest thing ever. Because you recognize, like, I know where he is. And you do know that. Why is that? Uh, there's a video on my phone that I had taken of Liam when he was, I think, maybe four. And he had just a slight little lisp, and so it was adorable. But in that, he said, God keeps his promises. Mm. And... I found that right at the right moment, mm -hmm. you know, early in my grief, and I know that God keeps His promises mm -hmm. because my baby said so, mm -hmm. and I know that He knew. I know that He knows God, mm -hmm. and I know that He is safe in the arms of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Some of the exercises, one of the exercises I had to do in grief care therapy, and it started out with you had to picture. Jesus in your mind and I couldn't do that because in my mind when I see Jesus it's when I'm walking through those gates mm. and my baby is standing behind Jesus poking his head out around oh him my goodness. like oh. mom you're here oh yeah and so I couldn't look at Jesus I have to mind the dove that's what I see mm. because if I don't then I think about I'm not them that I'm just yeah you know and I'm, you know, I, people think that I'm crazy when I say this, and I'm, I'm not suicidal or anything like right. that, but, like, I cannot wait to get there. Why wouldn't we? Yeah, I mean, we should anyway. Right. <laughs> Even if you don't have a child. You got an extra anyway. bonus waiting there. Yes, but, I mean, I read the book, and it said we are not as excited as we should be to get to heaven, mm, and I did not so understand that mm -hmm. until I had Liam waiting on me. Yeah. I, mean, I cannot wait to get there. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm so happy to be on this earth and to have my boys and my family and, and get to experience all of the things throughout a lifetime. Yeah. But hurry up, man. Yeah. Let's go. It's going to be good. Yeah. I want to circle back to you had said when you were driving through the roads of Colorado, mm. um, you said, God saved my son. Mm -hmm. And up until recently, you thought God didn't answer that prayer yeah I know I was just like how can you ignore me I've never I've never begged for anything in my life like I begged for you to save my son mm -hmm. but I also mentioned that there were a couple of times we should have wrecked mm -hmm. and died one of those I was going about 85 head on towards a cement barrier mm -hmm. in the median and I mean I pulled it over right at the nick of time and it was one of those like Jesus take the wheel moments mm -hmm. yeah and I was driving the other day and that's when I do my best thinking mm -hmm. and my boys were in the back seat, Lane and Landry, or Lane and Landry, and um, I just kept looking at Lane, and I thought, not it wasn't my thought. It was like it was implanted mm -hmm. in my brain. It said, "I did save your son," because mm. Lane Tyler was in the back seat of that truck, mm -hmm. and he did. He saved him because there were more than once we should have wrecked, and that yeah. last one it would have killed us all. Yeah, and they would have been burying four bodies in the second one. So yeah, he did save my son. 
And Liam is safe too. Yeah. Just not in the way I wanted the way him, you to wanted be him to be. It's good. Girl, I'm crying more than you are. What have you learned the most about grief? It is a lifelong journey that takes a lot of work. But mostly grief is the result of love. And as much as you love that person, that's how much you're gonna grieve them. And it hurts. But it's it's also grief teaches you compassion and empathy. Mm -hmm. Grief isn't just sadness. There's joy in it. Um, that sounds crazy annoying. I know, it does. But there's consolation, right, which is a prize. And there's desolation, which is the opposite. Mm -hmm. But they are not in constant opposition, right? You can have consolation and desolation at the same time. Mm. Sometimes there's a little more good. Sometimes there's a little more sadness. You don't get to choose. Mm -hmm. But there's always both. I don't want to say you have to learn how to live with it, right? Because it sounds negative. But you, you have to discover how to identify mm -hmm. both and celebrate both. Mm. Because I'm not afraid of my sadness anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of my tears. I'm not afraid of the heartache, even though sometimes it still feels like I can't breathe. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to feel like that the rest of my life. Yeah. But I'm going to love my baby the rest of my life, too. Right. So I'm, I'm going to celebrate both. What have you learned the most about God? His grace is never-ending. Mm. And His mercy is great. Mm. I mean, if you think about, someone told me this the other day, if you think about Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel when they were making mistakes, God didn't come in with this wrath and this vengeance and pick them up and smack them on the head and throw them out of the garden or, right. you know, or even kill them. He said, where are you? Or in Cain and Abel's case, it was, where's your brother? Just like a parent would. Right. And that's mercy. Mm. And he loves us like children. We mm. are his children. And he loves us like that. And he grants us mercy even when we mess up. Even yeah. when we're mad at him. Yeah. He just gives us his grace and his mercy. And all he asks is, come to me. Yeah. That's it. That's all he wants. I'll be your punching bag. Take yep. it out on me. Just don't go anywhere else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just come to me, all ye who are weak and weary. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all I ask for you. Mm. It's to just, just come to me. Lay it all on me. I can take it. Just yeah. don't walk away. That's good. What's the future hold? Man. Um, hope. It's good. It does. It's really it holds good. hope. I mean, yeah. it's just so much. Um, but to be more specific, I am about to publish my first book. And we are in the works of getting the uh, foundation, uh, the groundwork for the Liam's Light Foundation mm -hmm. going. Um, we have our first event in November. Mm -hmm. And I just so many things mm -hmm. that are just positive and joyous. And you, if you had told me two and a half years ago that something good could come out of this, mm -hmm. I probably would have punched you. I mean, like, I just, that would have made me so angry and so bitter. Like, you can't say those things to me. There's nothing good that can come out of my son dying. Right. So a little teaser for the book. There is a section on there of things not to say. Yeah. <laughs> so I have had the honor of reading, editing, giving input. I don't even know what the words would be. I think I'm on two drafts of the book. 
and um, it's not your typical grief book. So let's just clarify that. Yeah, no, it's not. Uh, it's not about my grief. Yeah. I, really, I tried to remove myself from it completely, and I was asked to. Um, Someone encouraged you to plug you a little more yeah, into it. Maybe put some personality in there. <laughs> Uh, so. Don't make it like a freshman high school English yeah. teacher. Oh, wait, she was. <laughs> the title is Just Show Up. Mm-hmm. And the subtitle is Inspiring Hope and Encouraging Healing. Mm-hmm. Because that's the best thing you can do for someone who's grieving, mm-hmm. someone who's been through trauma, is just show up and inspire them. Give them hope. Face them like a sunflower would in mm-hmm. the cloudy days and share a little bit of your light. People ask all the time, well, how can I help you? Or what do I say? And I didn't know at the time, mm-hmm. but once you gain some perspective, mm-hmm. so I just started writing it down. Yeah. I mean, it's a great guidebook for those of us that are helping others walk through that. How did your tribe show up for you? Man, um, I mean, Jen, I mean, the first thing she did was get a plane ticket and yeah. come and stay with everything. me. Yeah, she did. I mean, she just, she just got there as fast as she could. Um, the morning of Liam's funeral, I remember texting you and stuff and saying, I can't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't move. Mm-hmm. And you guys showed up and physically got me dressed and mm-hmm. washed my dishes and slapped my husband on the butt on the way out the door. Someone might have slapped yeah. your husband on the butt. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, let's go. Yeah. It's even more than like, you know, physically showing up. It was when I was having those crisis moments of, I don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't know why God would do this to me. I could go to my gatekeepers mm-hmm. and say, help me. Mm-hmm. And they did mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be an amazing resource for someone who it's not like a book you read and you put it in the yard sale, right? No. It's a book you read and you put it on the shelf and a year later or six months later or three years later, when your friend just had their entire world completely and totally flipped upside down, you go to a page or two in that book and it's like, okay, what do I need to say to her? What do I need to bring her? What do we need to do as a community? And I just think it's a phenomenal resource for those of us that maybe haven't walked in that grief before, don't know. I mean, you didn't know until you did. Right. And now you know, mm-hmm. but you don't know until you know. And so you're just sharing that knowledge and your experience to say, hey, these are the things to do. But there's also some parts in that book that says these are the things you shouldn't be doing. Yes. That's some of my favorite parts. (laughs) So I'm excited. I can't wait. Do you have a published date? I, not an official date, but it will be out in the first of November. Oh, this, so we're talking 2023. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's coming up. Okay. And then do you want to give a teaser about the event that you have coming out in November also, or do you want to just kind of... No, let's put it out there. Okay. Um, so the, the title of the event is called Hope and the Healing, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a one-day workshop of kind of how to survive the holidays through grief, mm. you know? Grieving is hard, but then when that empty seat's at the table, mm-hmm. or there's one less person in the family picture. Or you're not buying gifts. Or you're not buying gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or matching outfits, or mm-hmm. maybe you want to do a Christmas card. Mm-hmm. What do you do with those things? How do you handle those mm-hmm. things? Um, and there are books out there that you can read, but really, I want to get a bunch of people in a room together to say, mm-hmm. hey, I've been there, or mm-hmm. this is what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be so good. And to help each other. This isn't just Amelia no. speaking. This is everyone in that room taking time to 
um, share or like you said, this is how I got through my last holiday or yeah. stuff like that. And even just, you know, maybe there's another mom in the room and you can look across and go, she gets it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mm-hmm. go talk to her. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, fostering some connections and learning from each other. Mm-hmm. Cause I think people are so scared of grief because it's emotional. It's uncomfortable. We, it is. And we don't want to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. but if we're willing to do that, if we're willing to be vulnerable with one another and quit being afraid of grief and just share it, think about how much healing can come from that. Mm. You just have to be willing to get in the room. Mm-hmm. Ask the questions. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. Yeah. One of the things that I have learned through grief is, well, I didn't put this in the book, but because um, this is more personal, but I hate it when people are saying, when people say, you're so brave. You're so strong, but I'm not brave and I'm not strong. I am, I'm terrified, Mm. you know, I I get scared. I don't want people to think that there's something special about the way that I have grieved and worked through that because all I did was ask for help. Mm -hmm. And that might, there might be a little bit of courage in that, but I didn't. I didn't do anything different than the next person. Mm. You know, I didn't, there wasn't something special that I did or, you know, some kind of special grace that I received from God. Mm -hmm. I just, I just asked. Mm -hmm. I need help. I, um, I asked everybody I could Mm -hmm. help me. How, how do I do this? I mean, I just kept asking questions. Um, but I never felt brave or, or courageous. But Joshua 1 9 says, be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you mm-hmm. wherever you go. And so many people think that that wherever you go part, it's, you know, when you move off to college mm-hmm. or you buy a new house mm-hmm. or you're a missionary and you're going around the mm-hmm. world. But what if, what if he goes with you to those dark places mm-hmm. and into your depression and into your grief? He's there wherever mm-hmm. you go. And not to stay there, but to be brave enough to ask for help to work through it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where that that courage comes from. That's where Mm -hmm. the bravery comes from. That's where the strength comes from. It's not mine. It's not something that I'm doing. It's him. Yeah. Every time. So good. I could just sit and talk all day. I did forget to ask you, the book, the retreat, all of these things are under Liam's Light Foundation. Yes. Um, which I love the name. It's amazing. And the logo is adorable. I can't wait to have a t-shirt. So what is Liam's Light Foundation going to encompass? Like what's it going to look like? The goal is grief and trauma support. Whether that means we are providing grief and trauma coaching or recommending therapists or counselors, uh, pastoral care, but also um, teaching others how to support people through grief, mm-hmm. you know, whether that is the book, the book, the workshops, the workshops, you know, coming into local churches and helping you build mm-hmm. grief ministry mm-hmm. or, um, you know, hospice and, uh, just, you know, Hey, listen, these are some things that we've learned that we would love to share with you on how to better support the families that are coming in mm-hmm. because they need that, you know, and maybe, friends come in during that time and someone says, what can I do? Well, now I have all this information mm-hmm. and I can share that with you. Mm-hmm. And then those people can receive better care. Wow. 
So yeah, I'm really excited about that. And this will be a nonprofit. Nonprofit, and so people can just donate away. They can. Yes, <laughs> we will gladly accept your donation. It'll be up before the end of 2023, correct? I hope so. So if you need a good tax deduction before mm-hmm. the year. Amelia will be more than happy to put it in because there's already things happening at Liam's Light Foundation. (laughs) Yes, we will put my email in the show notes. (laughs) Exactly. What would you say to someone who hasn't met this man, Jesus? Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about this question a lot. All of the goodness that you could ever imagine can only come from this man. Mm -hmm. All of those things that you're chasing the patches and the fixes and the and the make me feel better and of the world mm-hmm. will never do what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. It only comes from him. Mm-hmm. And so many people have been hurt by the church or mm-hmm. other Christians, and and so they don't. They're they're looking for another band aid, mm-hmm. but there is no band aid. You just you, you, he is he's good. Mm-hmm. He is the only true good in this world and all you have to do is show up and just ask him I mean he says come to me mm-hmm. I mean how I don't know how more inviting it gets you right. know and that's all he wants you're not he's not asking for anything in return he wants you he desires you and all you have to do is show up it's good just show up just show up it's kind of become my life mantra. Just show up. Just I know, that's up. what I was just thinking. Yeah. I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. Amelia, I love you. I love you. I'm thankful that God put me in your life right before a season, and I think it'll be a lifetime. Oh, and definitely. So I'm extremely thankful. We have a lot of um, big things to accomplish. <laughs> we had some big conversations. Yes. So um, I'm really proud of you. Uh, you are brave, and um, I think it's contagious, and I think that's pretty cool. My dear friend, I want you to know that this man Jesus my guest spoke of is relentlessly pursuing you at this very moment and longs to love you unconditionally, no matter your story. There's no fancy prayer or special words, just believe, trust, and surrender. We've listed several free resources in the show notes to help you begin your relationship with Jesus and to walk in His truth and love today and for eternity. And to my brothers and sisters, if you already have a relationship with Jesus, then I encourage you to continue to pray for our guests and all who listen to this podcast and to go tell others about a man that changed your life forever.